Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, the road to Russia begins for Pacific football teams. A Vanuatu rower qualifies for Rio. And more drama in Tonga rugby. But first, Fiji made it back-to-back World 7 Series titles as Samoa came back down to earth from the highs of Paris. Fiji settled for fourth place in London at the weekend after back-to-back losses against South Africa and the United States. While the most talked about man of the weekend, Jared Hayne, managed just over 15 minutes of total on-field action across Fiji's six matches. Scotland were the Shock Cup winners after upsetting South Africa in the final, but a week after their stunning victory in Paris, the Manu managed just one win in five matches. Coach Damien McGrath says his side struggled to back up. A lot of teams were leg-weary and I found it hard to get up. We were emotionally and physically drained, I think, from the week before. I didn't realise just how much it had taken out of us until we started playing. Three of the defeats we had were by the odd point, you know, one score, and we were the architects of our own downfall in those games. We could and should have uh, done much better. The plus side for me was that, you know, we, we carried a couple of injuries and, and took a gamble and played with them and they didn't make them any worse. So we're going home with a, an almost fully fit squad, which uh, is a, a big plus given that our bigger prize is uh, a few weeks away. Is there anyone that has ruled out of Monaco at this point? No, we didn't play um, Alamander Matunga because he, he's dislocated shoulders. So um, he, according to our physio, um, is going to be um, more or less ready to play. So... That's a big plus. Um, Tila Mialoy played on one leg this weekend. You know, didn't do any more damage, so he should be fit with a, a couple of weeks' rest. Um, and everybody else is just suffering the usual bumps and bruises and, and tiredness. So with the, the return of uh, Phoenix on up on the four, we should have um, a, a, at least 14 of our best players to pick from. And I guess uh, with Scotland beating South Africa in the cup final, uh, a bit of history there. Uh, yourselves winning last week, uh, Kenya winning in Singapore uh, I mean, it really does sum up what has probably been the most competitive series potentially in you know the history of this competition. It's incredibly difficult. Uh, you know, people look at some of the pools on paper and think they, they can pick the two obvious quarter-finalists and, and there are no easy games now. Even Russia and Portugal, who, are, who I suppose were seen as the easy beats in the series this year, have got better and better as the year's gone on. So, you know, as the result today with Scotland winning, sure, anybody can beat anybody on, on the day. So it's, uh, it's, it's been a really tough year and for us to win a cup in such a, a really strong Olympic year has been fantastic. You know with all of uh, this preparation and, and you know tournaments uh, everyone can now firmly put that focus on Brazil and you know for some of years it's the qualifier some of years it's actually going there but uh, the whole season almost starts again now. It does um, I know that the, the teams that are lucky enough to have qualified already are, they're going to have a, a break and then get into some serious preparation for us, it's a, it's a trip home, um, a couple of days rest, and then we're into our two weeks that we've got before we um, arrive in Monaco. So uh, it's going to be a quick turnaround for, for the likes of us, and Canada and Russia, but I'd rather be doing that than uh, sitting with the feet up. <laughs> 
How do you sort of reflect on your first World Series campaign and all from where you started at to where you are now? What are your thoughts? Well, I'm delighted. We started as rank outsiders, um, you know, and then we uh, became competitive uh, and, and eventually we became winners. I, I couldn't ask for much more than that. You know, we've built little by little. The players have improved and improved and worked so hard. And, um, you know, given that we, we don't have the resources and the... Um, both physical and uh, and monetary that, that many other countries do, then you know I'm I'm over the moon with with everything we've achieved this year. And there's no Samo and Jared Haynes coming out of the wings in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> It'd be nice if there was, but you know I'm I'm really uh, pleased with the players we've got and you know, they've worked hard and proved. You know the Fiji team they beat in the final last week was Fiji's All Star team. It was you know their best of the best. So. You know, if we can beat teams like that, why should we? Uh, you know, why should we be worried if we can't get some of our big 15 stars? And you know, these boys have, um, have proved that they can match it with the best. Damien McGrath. Meanwhile, three Pacific players were included in the overall World Seven Series Dream Team. Fiji captain Osea Kolonasau and teammate Justa Viratmalua were named and joined by Samoa skipper Faliminga Salesile. Fiji's Justa Viramalua also won the Impact Player of the Season award. The road to the 2018 Football World Cup in Russia begins this weekend for teams in Oceania with the start of the Nations Cup in Port Moresby. New Zealand are predictably the favourites to win and qualify for next year's Confederations Cup but famously fell apart in Honiara four years ago as Tahiti lifted the title. Fiji have star striker Roy Krishna and a host of Olympic-bound players in their squad while PNG are hoping that home advantage works in their favour. Head coach Fleming Seretslev was meant to spend 10 days with his squad in Korea as part of their build-up before a late change of plans. We didn't come back from uh, Korea because our trip was cancelled, unfortunately, and uh, we had to go here to Lay instead, so we have been here now for 12 days. So why was the trip to Korea cancelled? Uh, you have to ask the general secretary about this. Were there matches that were going to happen over there, or was it just a training camp initially? We should have had, it was a training camp where we would have had three matches. Instead of that, you've had to go to Lay for 12 days, and what have you been doing over there? Yeah, of course, we've been preparing very seriously, and uh, the boys have been doing fantastic here. They are very committed uh, to their sport, so it has not been a problem. Of course, we, we cannot have any matches before the Nations Cup. Uh, and it's a pity, but uh, that's how it is. We have to take it as as it comes. We have played some internal matches instead. How long has it been since the Papua New Guinea national men's team have played an international? It was actually the last match was 27th of March this year, where we won 2-1 in Solomon Islands. Uh, and before that, we, we played two friendlies against uh, Solomon Islands, first on 24th of March, where we lost 2-0. And uh, then three days later, we beat them 2-1. You've obviously been uh, with the team now for a little bit of time. Uh, what have you learned about... You know, football in Papua New Guinea and, and the players you have at your disposal. It's a special country to coach because uh, of the local championship, uh, which is only running more or less for four months, you know, and coming from the part of the world where we normally are playing uh, at least 10 months uh, of the year. So the players have a, a big part of, uh, of their football life off-season. And, of course, it gives some uh, problems that they are not playing as many matches as I would like them to play. I mean, matches in their local competitions. Papua New Guinea is, of course, one of the bigger countries in the Pacific region and uh, has um, some good resources, uh, obviously holds some big events. You've got the Nations Cup last year. There was the Pacific Games, and I was over there for that. Um, But in terms of football, um, they haven't always been very successful in these Oceania competitions. 
I know, but uh, I'm very confident about the squad that I have here. I have, the, in my own opinion, very good players, very committed players. They are really playing like a team. They are standing together like uh, like a team. So I'm pretty sure that uh, we'll do good results this, in this Nations Cup. And uh, off the back of the Pacific Games tournament, uh, the Nations Cup, obviously uh, the women's team are hosting a three-team uh, tri-series and then, of course, the Under-20 World Cup as well later in the year. So it's quite an exciting time for football in PNG. Sure it is. Uh, I mean, uh, first we uh, PNT is hosting the biggest event in the UFC, uh, the Nations Cup, and uh, afterwards they have uh, this Under 20 uh, World Cup for for the women. It's of course it's two very big events, and it's very good for the promotion of uh, football in the country. So Fleming, what are your uh, expectations for the Nations Cup? Obviously, there's added pressure as the home team that. Um, you know, that could work to your advantage or, I guess, with local supporters, maybe a little bit more pressure as well? Yeah, but, I mean, this, this is the pressure you you have to deal with. Uh, anyhow, in my opinion, it should be a, a big advantage uh, to play at home. And it, it's up to us to get the spectators, our fans behind us, uh, by doing a very hard work, by playing uh, good football. If we if we don't uh, work very hard, if we don't play good football, we cannot expect the fans to to support us. That's that's the case everywhere in the world. So top six to the next stage, winner to the yeah. Confederations Cup. Uh, do you set any sort of goals for your team in terms of that? Is is like top, that top six I'll, is that a minimum for you or? No, I'll I'll use an old phrase and and say we are taking every match uh, step by step. Uh, from now on, we are concentrating on the first match, New Caledonia, and then we'll see what the outcome will be there and take it from there. Yes, and, uh, but of you... course, uh, when you're entering a, a big championship, you're, you're playing because you want to win it. So New Caledonia and Tahiti, uh, similar sort of styles of football, and you've also got Samoa in your group. So what do you know about those yeah. opponents? Uh, actually, as uh, teams, I don't know very much about them, but... Uh, I watched uh, the UFC Champions League in uh, in Auckland uh, this year in uh, in April, and uh, I knew which of the players, for example, Magenta and uh, Lossi were the national team players, and the same uh, with uh, the team from uh, Samoa. And and uh, just finally, what what style of football can we expect from Papua New Guinea under under uh, yourself? Uh, has yeah. there been a bit of a change? <laughs> I don't know, but I have my own playing style uh, philosophy, of course. Uh, most coaches have that. Yeah, you can expect to see um, fast playing and direct playing uh, team trying to play forward as soon as the chances uh, to play forward. That's the PNG men's football coach Fleming Siritzleff. <laughs> Luigi Telem has become the first Vanuatu rower to qualify for the Olympics. He missed out on an automatic qualification at last month's Asia Oceania Championships but was awarded a place in Rio by the International Olympic Committee. Oceania's representative for the International Rowing Federation, Lee Spear, says the 24-year-old has progressed quickly in the sport. Luigi started in 2011 or 2012, started as a novice. He went up as part of a lightweight double to the world champs in Chongzhou in Korea, and the following year he competed under 23s and at the Worlds as a lightweight single sculler in an effort to qualify for the Olympics. He's had to turn himself into a heavyweight sculler. He's going to the Olympics now as in the men's singles, so against Mahe and others. He competed in the club and senior classes here. Uh, he's still learning his craft, but he's learning it very quickly and he's very committed.
And so he's now been to three world championships back to back to back. Um, and, and as you say, he's had to develop and, uh, I guess, change tack a little bit and, in order to try and achieve his dream. Now, he didn't quite get there on qualification alone, but uh, maybe if you could just explain the process about how he actually earned that qualification for Rio. It's called a tripartite invitation. And uh, so the Vanuatu National Olympic Committee, the International Rowing Federation, FISA, and the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, have two spots for uh, male rowers and two spots for female rowers, which they keep and offer as an invitation. And that applies in other sports as well uh, with the different people. And out of, uh, I think, 12 nominations from various countries for those who didn't obtain qualification through the regattas, uh, Luigi and a, a lad from Libya were successful and, and were offered invitation places. So that's a recognition really of their promise and also the commitment they're showing to rowing. Yeah, so he started rowing maybe five years ago at most and the Vanuatu Rowing Association has been going for about that or maybe a year longer. So uh, to start up, to then get to a world championships, to uh, then get in his own boat and row you know, in the singles and, and then move up to a different class and, and now to be going to the Olympics all in a very short space of time is uh, quite phenomenal really. Oh, it is. While most people focus upon who's going to win the single skulls at the Olympics, there are other battles all the way down the line as well for the international ranking. And so uh, Luigi will be desperately trying to make a seed final. So, so the Asia-Oceania qualifiers, was that his most recent major competition? Yes, that was last month up in Chungju in Korea. So it was a return to Korea for him. And um, out of the 20 rowers there, uh, Luigi... Ended up with a rank of 13 uh, and 7 qualified, uh, but the gap between 7 and 13 was very, very slight. So he was unlucky. A couple of things could have gone his way. He might have been a bit closer, uh, but he wasn't outclassed at all. And so he's uh, currently in New Zealand. Is he effectively able to be training and um, you know preparing full-time at the moment? Yeah, he's been a full-time training in New Zealand since last November under Matt Cameron, the head coach at Waikato Rowing Club. And Matt will be uh, his coach uh, when he heads off to Europe uh, next month and then over to Rio. Rio, of course, is in August, uh, not long to go. Uh, so I imagine it's now going to be a, a very busy two, three months ahead for the young man. Yes, he'll go up to Europe. Um, the Australian Institute of Sport have a European training centre and they've kindly offered accommodation for Luigi and his coach Matt at Varese, Gavarati in Italy. And they'll be based there for a few weeks and go up to Poland for World Cup 3 and then off to uh, Rio, I think it's about the 23rd, 24th of July. That's Oceania's representative for the International Rowing Federation, Lee Spear. The Tonga Rugby Union is heading to court to answer claims the election of a new executive was unconstitutional. The Prime Minister Akalisi Pohiva was appointed chair and president of the TRU at a meeting earlier this month. He replaces Fea Vonipula, who was elected on an interim basis in December following the resignation of Apale Taoni. The former Tonga Rugby Union CEO, Fuka Kitekai Aho, says he has evidence that both meetings were held in breach of the union's constitution and a court hearing has been scheduled for next month. There are senior clubs and sub-unions who are involved in the case. It's mostly all about a couple of meetings now. 
yeah, so, by Tonga Rugby and so, on the constitutionality. Yes. So following the original resignation of Appellate Taoni as chair and president, a meeting was held uh, which elected Fe'avoni Puller as the interim chair and president up until a new AGM in May. Um, yeah. but, but you obviously and, and this group have issues with that original meeting and, um, and the, I guess whether that fulfilled the um, constitution and, and so you had taken that to court and um, sought arbitration with the TRU to try and resolve that matter. That was the initial step. That's right. Uh, it's just because TRU choose to track and uh, they probably have the right to track it if, uh, the thing because in our constitution, like in our constitution, there's, there's no nominated times for the arbitration to be held. And, and they have disputed those comments from yourself that they have dragged it. They say they haven't, but but that's neither here nor there. Um, the point is that there is obviously a dispute uh, and, yeah. and, that, and that there is a desire for arbitration or to resolve the matter. Aside from that, there were obviously some issues in the union that happened and World Rugby was concerned, so they came in to hold meetings with the government and with the Tonga Rugby Union um, and an agreement was formed um, going forward uh, between the three parties, um, You know, World Rugby and the government um, offering their support um, and, and so, I mean, first and foremost, that, that's an indication there that World Rugby recognised, or certainly at the time recognised, that Fe'avuni Pula was the interim chair of the Tonga Rugby Union, and they recognised that administration. Yes, it's, uh, I think it's, it's unfortunate, uh, but I, I guess you're right. They were doing all this without proper investigation of the seriousness of our challenge. They probably thought that... Uh, the challenge will just be top off, and I guess according to the Inner's lawyers, that they advised that the Inner had just ignored, and because there's no time indicated in the Constitution. But unfortunately, now we took the matter to court, and the court has seen a crispit, and they've seen a uh, no place to be solved. But to because of the importance of rugby, it has to be solved very quickly. So the court has intervened. So another meeting was held because the four-year term of the Tonga Rugby Union was up and uh, new elections had to be held in May. Uh, and, and so that meeting's taken place. And as a result, the Prime Minister, Akalisa Boheva, has been uh, elected as both the chair and president, replacing the interim Fe'avuni Pula. Um, so, so that meeting in itself, you don't have an issue with in, in your group. Your issue is that the original meeting to elect Fe'avuni Pula was not correct. So therefore, anything... After that, is not correct. Yes, yes. Uh, right now, we're still uh, on our first issue. If we win, everything thereon will be null and void. Uh, however, the second meeting they had to amend the constitution, that's another issue. It's self-inflicted, despite the fact that the judge was warning them, don't hold any more meetings until this is sorted out, uh, because all the legality of management and everything is based on our initial case. But they proceeded and, and called a meeting. We have a couple of issues on that. First is the constitutionality of that amendment. And second, if the meeting is constitutional, the PM is taking Fair position. And then our question is, where is Fair now? Why is he still involved in Tonga Rugby? In, in, in what position that he is still hanging there? Who put him in? The union never, and there's nobody, nothing in the constitution to place him there. The second uh, issue is to amend the constitution, David. It's required at 75% of those people attending the meeting. And we have information that they didn't achieve that. And we have put affidavit in, and then we have filed it in with the court to go together with our initial issue. Now, we have two issues in front of court. So the 75% issue, that was an issue you had with the original meeting as well? That's right. 
Uh, even the voting for Feao was overcounted, more than the people actually attending. The person who, who did it was the, uh, the IRB um, representative who was doing the counting, decided that it's, uh, it's fair enough. If we just remove these numbers, this guy will still win. There need to be a recount because you can't say that it's legal uh, or constitutionally correct to, to end up with more hands in the air than the people actually registered to attend the meeting. So you've gone to court um, with these issues. So what's the uh, timeline from here in, in, in dealing with that? The court has the name hearing date, which is the 20th of next month, and that will be, hopefully, these issues will be sorted out. That will be to hear the original concern from many months ago as well? It's the whole case. So if the court ruled in your favour, ultimately, um, that would mean that another meeting would have to be held? need to sit down with government because um, it's something that uh, rugby has been longing for, uh, government assistance, and we have to redo that. The rest of the issue, and we have to, to look at the pro and cons of all the resolution that they decided to carry out. We hope that we can sort out this issue very quickly. And uh, if the court ruled against you, would you accept that? We will accept that in that issue, and then we go into the issue of the contracts of the workers. That's the former Tonga Rugby Union CEO, Fuka Kite Kayaho, and that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. Thank you very much for listening. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.